This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Manscaped. So we didn't do an episode of Tech News Day last week, and we've got a lot to cover this week, including Amazon warehouse unionization, the UN's latest extremely dire climate report, Elon Musk kind of, sort of buying Twitter, and uh, also Ivermectin most definitely not doing jack shit against COVID. But before we talk about any of that, we absolutely must kick off the show with the most horrifying advancement in robotics ever seen. Now picture a robot in your head. It's probably something humanoid, like Boston Dynamics Atlas, or maybe something dog-like, like Boston Dynamics Spot. No, it's Elon's man dressed in a suit. Or a man in spandex. <laughs> This well, is just a prototype. Well, step aside Boston Dynamics and step aside Morph Suit Guy, because here's some man-made horrors beyond your comprehension. What you're looking at right now is not human shit come to life, though it certainly does resemble a wet brown turd with a mind of its own. And it's also not an April Fool's joke, as the March 31st publishing date on New Scientist might indicate. It's real, and it's a robot, and you may not like it, but this is what peak performance looks like. Uh, New Scientist's article about just what the hell this is is unfortunately behind a paywall, but here's The Guardian with their coverage of what they refer to as the magnetic turd. Scientists have created a moving magnetic slime capable of encircling smaller objects, self-healing, and very large deformation to squeeze and travel through narrow spaces. The slime, which is controlled by magnets, is also a good electrical conductor and can be used to interconnect electrodes, its creators say. Professor Li Zhang of the Chinese University of Hong Kong, who co-created the slime, emphasized that the substance was real scientific research and not an April Fool's joke, despite the timing of its release. The slime contains magnetic particles so that it can be manipulated to travel, rotate, or form O and C shapes when external magnets are applied to it. The blob was described in a study published in the peer-reviewed journal Advanced Functional Materials as a magnetic slime robot. The ultimate goal is to deploy it like a robot, Zhang said adding that, for the time being, the slime lacked autonomy. <laughs> we will consider it as fundamental research, trying to understand its material properties. The wet turd robot lacking autonomy for the time being is one of the more foreboding things that we've heard from a scientist. Don't worry, we're going to give the shit a brain. <laughs> then you're really going to love it. Mm -hmm. If you think it's awesome now, just wait until it has full autonomy. You're, you're free, poo-poo. Go do your thing. <laughs> so the whole time we've been picturing the uh, robo-apocalypse, like, you know, the Terminator, when we should have been always imagining doo-doo. Yeah. That's doo-doo, baby. All, all, it, the answer was right there in our toilet this whole time. What if my shit came to life? But not like Mr. Hanky. Like something that uh, exists solely to interconnect other diodes or something. You see, it flows over things and connects them. It does. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's got a mind of its own. It's very impressive. Well, at least, that you know, not looking like a humanoid will keep people from messing with it. Yeah, also looking like shit will keep people yeah, from messing like, with it. Yeah, just like, well, no one's going to mess well, with this robot. That's fucking gross. I don't want to touch that. The researchers, they had a different thing in mind, and then they saw the hitchhiking robot that barely made it to Philadelphia. Yeah. This is finally a robot for all the people who, like, would be robosexuals if they didn't also have an overpowering, like, poop fetish. Yeah, this is gonna be. This is not gonna be shipped to Germany. No. No. <laughs> yeah, it, it shouldn't be. No, exactly. Um, anyways, as for what's uh, what possible uses this abomination might have, its creators think it might be useful for retrieving foreign objects from the digestive system, like when a little kid swallows a battery, for instance. Uh, but uh, for now, the turd bot itself is so toxic that actually putting it inside anyone's bot body isn't worth the risk. Okay, so it doesn't do anything. Yeah. For what it's worth, though, its co-creator does say that they could probably use pigments or dye to make it more colorful than its current very evocative shade of dark brown. 
What about a rainbow turd robot? I mean, yeah, that'd be cute. We could do, you know, the sky's the limit. We could do anything. Any other color. So, hey, at least when these things turn on us, you might be killed by a, a hot pink or a green slime robot, not something that looks like last night's dinner. Although, depending on what you eat, yeah, it still could. That's true. Yeah. That's true. A lot of ways to turn your poop different colors. I do like the idea of a poop-looking robot being able to go inside of you and get out bad things. Because yeah. it's kind of what the colon does anyway. So It's all horrifying. Yeah. I'm just going to just not swallow batteries and I'm, solve this problem before it starts. Look, everyone's scared of dying. If you're not, that's weird. But, you know, at least theoretically, I won't be around to see the robot apocalypse or be killed by climate change first. Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah. But whether we're talking about a robot apocalypse or the much more real threat of large multinational corporations monopolizing markets and working employees to death, Fighting back takes solidarity. And last week, the seemingly unthinkable happened. An Amazon warehouse in New York City successfully voted to form a labor union. And it's difficult to put into context how much of a, a massive dub this is for labor in the U.S. Uh, and that's mainly because it's been literally entire generations since the peak of labor union membership in this country. And the decline in union membership over the last few decades has correlated very strongly with uh, increased wage stagnation and increased income inequality. Strange. It's been so long that we don't, we can't even see what's right in front of us. Yeah, on top of that, previous attempts at Amazon warehouse unionization in other parts of the country have failed. And this union drive in New York was so grassroots and so David versus Goliath that it didn't even have the backing of any national labor unions. What it did have is this guy, Christian Small, seen here popping champagne upon learning of his victory against one of the biggest companies on earth in a battle that at its core was motivated by personal spite against a company that treated him poorly. And as we've said time and time again, spite is the ultimate motivator. It really is. Yeah. Uh, here's the New York Times. In the first dark days of the pandemic, as an Amazon worker named Christian Smalls planned a small panicked walkout over safety conditions at the retailer's only fulfillment center in New York City, the company quietly mobilized. Amazon formed a reaction team involving 10 departments, including its global intelligence program, a security group staffed by many military veterans. The company named an incident commander and relied on a protest response playbook and labor activity playbook to ward off business disruptions, according to newly released court documents. In the end, there were more executives, including 11 vice presidents, who were alerted about the protest than workers who attended it. Amazon's chief counsel, describing Mr. Smalls as not smart or articulate in an email mistakenly sent to more than a thousand people, recommended making him the face of efforts to organize workers. The company fired Mr. Smalls, saying he had violated quarantine rules by attending the walkout. In dismissing and smearing him, the company relied on the hardball tactics that had driven its dominance of the market. But on Friday, he won the first successful unionization effort at any Amazon warehouse in the United States, one of the most significant labor victories in a generation. The company's response to his tiny initial protest may haunt it for years to come. Yeah, oh, rules. yeah. Shit. So we've talked a lot in the past about Amazon's less than stellar labor practices, and that was, of course, made much worse when the pandemic hit and the coronavirus started making its way through those Amazon facilities without much care taken to keep workers safe or even notify them about positive cases in a timely manner. When Christian Smalls was fired simply for organizing a small protest outside his warehouse, he and his best friend from the warehouse, Derek Palmer, decided that rather than just move on and let Amazon win, fuck it, they're gonna try and organize a union. 
These efforts involve TikTok videos, potluck dinners, protests, and fundraising around $120,000 on GoFundMe versus the $4.3 million that Amazon spent on just paying anti-union consultants in the past year. Wow, could that movie money have gone to literally anything else? I guess we'll never know. Well, I guess we sh we're going to find I out. I guess it soon will. <laughs> uh, workers were bombarded with anti-union text messages. Uh, organizers had their social media monitored. And some organizers were even arrested on bogus trespassing charges. But Amazon's biggest tactic seems to have been to just try and personally discredit Chris Smalls while also making him the face of the union drive. And boy, did that blow up in their big, dumb faces. Mm -hmm. uh, here's Vice. Leaked notes from an internal meeting of Amazon leadership obtained by Vice News reveal company executives discussed a plan to smear fired warehouse employee Christian Smalls, calling him not smart or articulate as part of a PR strategy to make him the face of the entire union slash organizing movement. He's not smart or articulate. And to the extent the press wants to focus on us versus him, we will be in a much stronger PR position than simply explaining for the umpteenth time how we're trying to protect workers, wrote Amazon general counsel David Zapolsky in notes from the meeting forwarded widely in the company. It continues, Zapolsky's notes from the meeting detail Amazon's plans to deal with a wave of bad press and calls for investigations from elected officials following the firing of Smalls. They also show top Amazon brass wanted to make Smalls the focus of its narrative when questioned about worker safety. Quote, we should spend the first part of our response strongly laying out the case for why the organizer's conduct was immoral, unacceptable, and arguably illegal. In detail. And only then follow with our usual talking points about worker safety, Zapolsky wrote. Make him the most interesting part of the story. And if possible, make him the face of the entire union slash organization movement. Well, turns out uh, Chris Smalls offered a much more appealing case to his former co-workers than their employer did. And when the votes were tallied, the pro-union side won by more than 10 percentage points. Whoops. They really fumbled the bag down at Amazon. Mm -hmm. Bezos just mauled it. I do find it rich that like, and this is the case in a, a lot of companies, specifically in, in the United States right now, of like uh, being really lax on any kind of like COVID restrictions at the beginning and then peaks, the various peaks yeah. of the pandemic, and then calling someone out for uh, doing literally the exact thing yeah. that they've already previously done and been completely fine with ethically and morally, but then be, when it works in their favor to be like, oh, well, look at this guy uh, getting around a bunch of people without social distancing. Wow, wow. We should make an example of him. Not be, for any other reason. Yeah, not for anyone's safety, just because it's a good talking point. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's still a lot of steps that need to be taken now before Amazon's first union actually becomes a thing. And Amazon is surely going to fight tooth and nail every step of the way. But this is a big dub, yeah. and it should be appreciated. And it's, uh, you know, typically when these things happen, it opens the door for a lot more of that happening. Yeah, we've seen that with like Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, at Starbucks, it's generally a lot easier to unionize a small workplace like a Starbucks that <laughs> yeah. has like a couple dozen employees. Unionizing a fucking Amazon warehouse that has... It's impressive. Like, as many as 10,000 employees... Yeah, it's much, much more difficult. Yeah, in one of the biggest cities on Earth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, uh, I mean, there's a good chance this does have a domino effect. The, mm -hmm. the, the union vote in uh, Alabama last year or the year before uh, failed, but it was pretty close. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be probably some momentum behind this. Yeah. But, yeah, one of the ways that Amazon is apparently doing damage control is uh, by simply banning all discussion of unionization from an upcoming internal messaging app that they're developing for their employees. Now, of course, overtly banning discussion of unions would be a bad look and also possibly illegal and also like difficult to actually enforce. So 
what they're actually doing is just banning a long list of words associated with labor organization. Mm -hmm. uh, here's The Intercept's Ken Klippenstein with the scoop. Amazon will block and flag employee posts on a planned internal messaging app that contain keywords pertaining to labor unions, according to internal company documents reviewed by The Intercept. An automatic word monitor would also block a variety of terms that could represent potential critiques of Amazon's working conditions like slave labor, prison, and plantation, as well as restrooms. Presum <laughs> presumably related to reports of Amazon employees relieving themselves in bottles to meet punishing quotas. And some other banned terms on the banned list, of course, include uh, union, grievance, pay raise, compensation, ethics, unfair, slave, master, freedom, diversity, injustice, robots, and uh, the phrase, this is concerning. So, yeah, pretty broad. Taking this in stride, I see. Yeah, now if you like, if you ever have to like return something on Amazon, just start talking union terms to the uh, chatbot that you're on. You don't even have to send it back. Here's the credit. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. Is it gonna like block it? Is it gonna flag it? In any case, this is uh, this is stupid. I do like the the uh, the customer service angle of just like forcing whoever you're talking to on the customer service side to acknowledge. Yeah. You know, just, or slipping uh, pro union pamphlets into your return items. Yeah. Hi, I, I was browsing Amazon and I was looking for books about the Soviet Union. It's the mm. the why is this uh, why is this just a bunch of asterisks? <laughs> Weird. I, I'd like to view movies starring my favorite actors, Gabrielle Union. Mm -hmm. Movies like Bring It On. Yes. Uh, why I are you having no? Not that Gabrielle. Gabrielle Union. I received this uh, item in the mail and it's already expired. This is concerning. This is concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, much of the current unionization energy that is sweeping workplaces around the country stems, of course, from COVID-19 and workers realizing that, oh yeah, my boss will literally work me to death in the pursuit of profit. Uh, COVID-19 in the U.S. is luckily right now at some of the lowest levels seen during the entire pandemic uh, in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But another huge surge is not out of the question mm -hmm. at all. And if and when the next surge happens, hopefully all the uh, skeptics out there We'll finally give up on pushing ivermectin as a preventative treatment because it officially does not do a goddamn thing to prevent hospitalization from COVID-19. It does nothing. At the very least, there will be statistically less people talking about it <laughs> for reasons I can't begin to understand. I'll get banned if I say why. <laughs> of course, we've known this for quite a while thanks to the numerous studies that have looked into this when researchers certainly should have been devoting their energy and resources elsewhere. But there's been yet another large study into ivermectin that has, surprise, found once again that it is completely fucking useless against COVID. Here's NPR. The anti-parasitic ivermectin doesn't reduce the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19, according to a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine. The study serves as more evidence for what health professionals have been saying for much of the pandemic. The cow and horse dewormer shouldn't be used to treat COVID. In a large study, researchers in Brazil studied more than 1,300 patients, half of which received ivermectin and the other half a placebo. In their conclusion, the author said, treatment with ivermectin did not result in a lower incidence of medical admission to a hospital due to progression of COVID-19 or of prolonged emergency department observation among outpatients with an early diagnosis of COVID-19. Not even a placebo effect. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So that settles it then. Except no, of course not. 
the people who were complaining a year ago that the truth about ivermectin was being censored by Big Pharma uh, still believe that the truth about ivermectin is being censored by Big Pharma. Of course. Why would this change their narrative at all? Yeah. The facts have never been an issue. Yeah. So, yeah, all these people, they point out that some of the study's authors have received grants from vaccine manufacturers in the past and that the study took several months to publish after it concluded. Studies and, should take long. Yeah, studies should take long. Yeah. And unfortunately, in uh, in science, uh, you kind of have to get grants from companies that are yeah. evil. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, <laughs> yeah, the other thing is just like, th- this wasn't even the only study. They yeah. did studies that were like, had a somewhat quicker turnaround, and they were like, because back then you'd be like, well, they need to really look into this more. They need mm-hmm. to do a longer study. Okay, we will. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was part of that like together study. It's like it's a specific uh, group studying just like every uh, and that's every not claim. A, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. At, at some level, there should be people looking into all possible yeah. uh, cures or reduction in harm. Yeah, to, they're like, basically they're testing like just they're throwing the kitchen sink at COVID, just seeing yeah. like if anything works. But the problem is they were like, this doesn't work. And everyone's like, but I don't know. And they're like, but we already, okay, fine. We'll we were, we were going to move on to other potential treatments, but I guess we'll do ivermectin again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. the people, they're critical of, uh, they claim that the dosage in the study was wrong. Um, they also, some people are saying that the participants were not given real ivermectin, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, many of the pundits who got really into the whole culture war side of the ivermectin debate are just simply not acknowledging this latest data. Why would they? Uh, probably because for them, it was never really about public health. It was just about being a contrarian and questioning authority. But uh, And it would make them look bad. That too. But uh, yeah, if and when COVID comes back with a vengeance, we can probably expect to just keep on hearing the same bullshit claims about ivermectin because we uh, we live in hell. I'm really hoping it doesn't come back. Really uh, enjoying the way things are. Baseball starts Friday. Got some tickets. Stay away. Stay away. Mm. So far, so good, though. Uh, yeah, even after uh, opening everything up, the numbers in L.A., still good. Still looking good. Shut up. You shut up. No. Uh, anyways, we got more news coming right up. But first, this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? Oh, the carpets, they need cleaning. The drapes, they need dusting. And your lawn needs mowing. (laughs) Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code NEWSDAY. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool that you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips that your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges. It's waterproof as well, so no need to worry about watering your grass with this tool. Equipped with an LED light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. (laughs) I, I take all my showers in the dark. Yeah. It makes it fun. Exciting. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Then make sure to get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and also the Crop Reviver, spray-on toner for your balls. Keep your boys from sticking to your leg and leave them smelling like fresh flowers. Finish off your grooming routine with The Plow 2.0 the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
They got the plow now, so don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, yeah. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness mm -hmm. Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Mm -hmm. Smell oh so fresh and so clean this spring and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code NEWSDAY at manscaped.com. That is 20% off plus free shipping with the code NEWSDAY at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. All right, back into the news now with an update to our previous story this week. Elon Musk buying up a huge chunk of Twitter. So Elon gradually bought up 9.2% of all Twitter stock shares over the past few months, making him the single largest shareholder in the company and uh, raising a lot of questions about exactly how much influence this will actually give him over Twitter's business decisions. And while we said on Monday's video that whether or not he'd also get on the board of directors seat, that was also up in the air, but it was immediately confirmed that yes, he is joining the board, which means he will, in fact, have some serious influence over the company. And he would have anyway, even without doing this, but this puts kind of the SEC in a little predicament because he specifically filed his paperwork as a passive investor. And yeah, this is he, clearly he amended not... it. He, he, you, get, you get a certain amount of time to amend it. He, he, uh, he checked the box that he needed Okay, to good. Check. So after the news all went out about being a passive aggressor. Aggressive. Yeah. Or, sorry, passive Passive aggressive. aggressive he is, he's that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that probably defines it better. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the terms of Elon's uh, board seat do prevent him from owning more than 14.9% of the company's stock. So that means that for at least the next two years, Elon will not own Twitter despite owning a good chunk of it. He can't get the 49 or 51% uh, needed to uh, fully turn Twitter into the garbage heap that he wants it to be. But he, he has, I would argue, that much influence. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but he does seem to already be steering the ship a little bit uh, with the news that Twitter's finally working on that edit button. Just days after Elon posted a poll about it. That, wow. Wow, Elon, thank you. Except, uh, no, Twitter has apparently been working on the edit button for a while. But that, that is just so Elon. That's so Elon of him to likely have the insider knowledge of this and then uh, make it look like he's the reason they're doing it mm -hmm. with his little poll. That's, yeah. uh, that's why he makes the big bucks. Anyway, Elon's whole reason for all this seems to be his concerns about free speech or whatever. Um, it's just very funny that a guy who's supposedly so serious about space exploration and renewable energy and brain implants uh, not only spends a huge chunk of his day just shitposting, but has now entered the, the shitposting business. Yeah, I, I was saying, you know, this, is, this was like one of the last big places where you could be critical of him with, without, uh, you know being like downvoted by bots or whatever. Mm. And uh, now he's the king of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see just how how much his free speech approach uh, changes when uh, it's about criticizing him, making fun of him. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's um, it certainly doesn't make me feel any better about Twitter. And my perception of that company and platform was already at a historic low. Yeah. Now's a better time than ever to quit. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think the key is just don't take it seriously. It's not the public square. It's not even a, a functional website. It's just a place to post shit. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I do get my, I get the, the dilution of Twitter by yeah. Reddit and our Discord. So like whenever there's a real knee slapper, 
Yeah, I uh, I get to see it, so it's it's fine. Yeah, but uh, people are just a lot of people just take it too fucking seriously, and I think that's like you said, that is the problem. problem. Yeah, it's not real life. That internet hippo tweet was the best thing to come out of the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock thing because it it is the best definition of Twitter I've ever seen. It's everyone takes every is forced to take everything so seriously, and has to have the right opinion about it. Yeah, because otherwise. You're like attacked, and uh, your life is ruined, which just means that your Twitter account is uh, essentially unusable because people just keep bashing you. Yeah. But speaking of posting, uh, last week some pretty wild news dropped about how Facebook, aka Meta, went to some uh, kind of absurd and sketchy lengths to try and make TikTok look bad. Yeah. No, don't look at me. Look at them. Teacher, teacher, they were bad. Yeah. So, yeah, it turns out when you're a company that's been continuously embroiled in scandal after scandal for the past decade and want to improve your image, part of that involves singling out your competition and trying to paint them as the real threat to society. And to do this, they hired one of the nation's biggest Republican consulting firms known as Targeted Victory. Uh, Here's the Washington Post who first reported on this based on leaked emails between uh, Facebook and Targeted Victory. From Taylor Lorenz. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Lorenz. Scoop. The campaign includes placing op-eds and letters to the editor in major regional news outlets, promoting dubious stories about alleged TikTok trends that actually originated on Facebook, (laughs) and pushing to draw political reporters and local politicians into helping take down its biggest competitor. These bare-knuckle tactics, long commonplace in the world of politics, have become increasingly noticeable within a tech industry where companies vie for cultural relevance and come at a time when Facebook is under pressure to win back young users. Employees with the firm Targeted Victory work to undermine TikTok through a nationwide media and lobbying campaign portraying the fast-growing app owned by the Beijing-based company ByteDance as a danger to American children and society, according to internal emails shared with the Washington Post. Uh, Here's some more. In one email, a Targeted Victory director asked for ideas on local political reporters who could serve as a back channel for anti-TikTok messages, saying the firm would definitely want it to be hands-off. In other emails, Targeted Victory urged partners to push stories to local media tying TikTok to dangerous teen trends in an effort to show the app's purported harms. Quote, any local examples of bad TikTok trends slash stories in your markets, a Targeted Victory staffer asked? Dream would be to get stories with headlines like, from dances to danger, how TikTok has become the most harmful social media space for kids, the staffer wrote. I mean, they kind of nailed one last year with that milk crate challenge. That, that might have uh, that been targeted victory. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, Meta spokesperson Andy Stone defended the campaign by saying, We believe all platforms, including TikTok, should face a level of scrutiny consistent with their growing success. And that's that, why is, we- that is so fucking rich. <laughs> that, that's that is- why we took millions of dollars from Facebook in order to uh, do this public service. I mean, that's literally a Facebook uh, <laughs> spokesman saying that. Like, Jesus. not even the, the, the oh, PR Oh, firm. the other one. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Listen, we just think uh, we just think social media companies need to be held to account. <laughs> Here at Facebook, we believe in accountability for yeah, social Yeah, that's companies. our number one goal is accountability Fuck at off. Facebook. Uh, I also like that like you have to uh, imagine that Facebook has the analytics to see which company would be the most uh, successful at manipulating reality uh, or being able to push a certain narrative. And they're probably just like, diddly doo doo Oh, a Republican company called Targeted Victory seems to be doing that really well on our platform. Yeah. Yeah, we got a whole Rolodex of uh, disinformation purveyors. Yeah. It's very useful. Yeah. It's the one uh, side benefit of uh, just becoming a propaganda tool these past couple years. Yeah. We know all the best propaganda propagators. (laughs) 
Uh, Targeted Victory even had an internal Google Doc titled Bad TikTok Clips, <laughs> full of material that would they, they would then send to content-starred local news outlets to get them to run sto- uh, stories like Kids Gone Bad. And, you know, local news consumers love those kind of yeah, stories. Yeah, they love scaring parents. It's yeah. their, their bread and butter. In one example, they pushed a slap a teacher TikTok challenge that literally did not exist outside of rumors being spread on Facebook. And no surprise, apparently this operation kicked into overdrive back in February when Meta had to admit that they'd lost users for the first time in 18 years. Anyways, TikTok obviously isn't without its problems, that's for fucking sure. But almost anything you can criticize TikTok for is something that Facebook itself has been guilty of. And it's it's very funny learning that so many of the alarmist news articles about TikTok trends from the past year or so were uh, literal Zuckerberg propaganda. Yeah, and it is like, uh, I mean, I I just figured it was local news being starved for content. Cause like a lot, like so many of them, I look at it and I'd be like, okay, let's click over to the hashtag. It's like, there's three videos here. This is not a trend. Yeah. So that, they, and I remember specifically having that pop up and just be like, this isn't like a nationwide thing. This feels like it's being pushed as a nationwide and this, thing. And this happens even more with, uh, with Twitter. Uh, They'll write entire news stories about like public opinion based on just like one random person's tweet. Yeah. Being like, oh yeah, people on, people on Twitter are saying this is like some person with five followers. Like, <laughs> said look, something and got look, no traction at all. Look no further than bad movies, which have amazing reviews that pop up on their trailers yeah. on TV, where when you look at the fine print, it's like so-and-so on Twitter yeah. said that Morbius was riveting. A new Marvel legend finally <laughs> arrived. <laughs> Whew. But uh, yeah, no, and this is like, you would think that like, you know, with things like a, a knockout challenge or something, targeted victory, all they would have to do is buy up some TikTok views and engagement to make it seem as though this trend is going to get other people views. And it's like, then you get, you light the candle and watch it burn. Um, not to say TikTok is completely free of criticism at all. Uh, it has algorithms that'll take you to a real bad place uh, really easily. And uh, I don't know if they've fixed it, but for a while there, they were tracking an alarming amount of data yeah. from people's phones. I feel like iPhones have probably, probably fixed that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, not great. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But yeah, it's just like, it, it, of all people who should not, who have no fucking foot to stand on, criticizing a TikTok for anything, uh, Facebook would be at the very tip top. Yeah. Yes. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> hey, whoa, we looked into it and our competitor's bad, actually. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> Anyways, uh, here's some news uh, that you're probably tired of hearing about, but the Earth is on a collision course with climate catastrophe. And the latest report from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change confirms this once again. The latest report is part three of the IPCC 6 assessment report. In part one, they covered the physical science behind climate change. And in part two, they outlined what exactly climate change will do to the world. Part three specifically looks at mitigation strategies for avoiding the worst consequences of climate change. And at nearly 3,000 pages long, it's a lot to take in. But the key takeaway seems to be that there is still time, just not very much. Probably not enough, uh, considering uh, how we've been treating it so far, but here's Gizmodo. In order to avoid the worst impacts of climate change, the world needs to make a serious U-turn over the next three years to curb our emissions, a stark new report finds. It's possible to do so, concludes the report, released Monday from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, but only with serious, immediate, and sustained action across all facets of society. And we have very little wiggle room when it comes to our addiction to oil, gas, and coal. 
the amount of fossil fuel infrastructure that currently exists or is planned worldwide is enough to push us into levels of warming that are over the goals set out in the Paris Agreement, the report finds. Quote, it's now or never if we want to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, 2.7 Fahrenheit. IPCC Working Group 3 co-chair Jim Skia said in a statement, without immediate and deep emissions reductions across all sectors, it will be impossible. Well, sorry, America is very angry at Russia right now, and we got to kick that fracking. We got to drill, baby, drill. I mean, I'm serious. They're using the uh, this uh, war and uh, reduction in oil, the scarcity, to uh, probably push through some pretty severe things that will have um, untold repercussions. Which you know, years it, to come. it would seem like a, a you know a great opportunity to reevaluate uh, our reliance on natural gas, fossil fuels, and all that. Maybe. Uh, <sighs> Maybe if we didn't rely on these things so much, uh, it wouldn't be such a problem when uh, a war breaks out in a part of the world that everyone else relies on for those things. Um, but no, we're just digging our heels in deeper. And, no, we uh, are going to make the oil now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Oh, God. Mm. It's hard not to be hopeless, but uh, hey, we got to look. Things you probably have something that you're interested in in your personal life. Anyways, at this point, it's hard to have any optimism about any of this. Progress is being made, but not nearly as quick enough as it needs to be. Here's the Washington Post. But on one fact, the IPCC is absolutely clear. In waiting so long to take action, humanity has denied itself any chance of making the energy transition gradual or smooth. Humans can unleash only about 500 more gigatons of carbon dioxide to have an even shot at limiting warming to the 1.5 degrees Celsius goal, scientists say. That remaining carbon budget represents only about a decade of emissions at the current rate. If people hope to stay within this budget, the world must roughly have emissions in the next eight years. This means coal use needs to be almost eliminated within 30 years, according to the IPCC. Gas dependence should be reduced by 45%. Oil use must fall 60% by the middle of the century. And humans must find near-term ways to slash emissions of potent planet-heating methane. Some existing fossil fuel infrastructure will have to be decommissioned early or used at less than full capacity, the IPCC says. And even if those cuts occur, the world must also invest in strategies that remove carbon from the atmosphere to have a chance of beating its climate goals. So that's all a very tall order, and it's difficult to imagine that it's going to happen in time, especially considering it's been 32 years since the IPCC's first assessment report, and yet so many of the people who actually have the power to do anything about climate change don't even believe it's real. Mm -hmm. Their grandkids will, though, and they're going to look back on the early 21st century as a time when something very easily could have been done about this, but simply was not. And I imagine they'll be very upset about it. But hey... Everyone who was responsible is dead. Yeah. So, Michael Jordan, oops. fuck them kids. I mean, it's just so frustrating. An individual action only does so much. It yeah. actually does very little. It's great. It's I great. mean, it's like, yes, if, if everyone, if everyone did, uh, the, you know, the bare minimum, it would, it would help a little bit. But meanwhile, we've got coal plants just filling the skies with uh, it needs to it needs to happen all around and um, it needs to be regulated and that's the, there's just no other way around it. If we continue on our current path, the world will end. Not for us, thankfully. Yeah, but we'll be miserable but, for a couple of years at least. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a hundred degrees out it here. Like in Los hundred Angeles. degrees in Burbank today. Yeah. in April. So, but it's a lot worse in other places. 
Have you seen the beautiful, the big, beautiful air conditioning that they have at the World Cup uh, stadium in what is it, Qatar? Qatar, yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, the Mad Max World Cup. Yeah. Yes, the one that could have taken place anywhere else. Literally anywhere else. The one where they had to move the World Cup to winter for the first time, I think, ever, just because people would literally die playing mm-hmm. in the summer heat. Anyways, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, we all have things that allow us to escape from reality, and sometimes you need those things, but it's also good to be aware of what's happening. Baseball starts Friday. And if you want to watch our other episodes... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> if you want to watch our other episodes... We got Elon Musk buying Twitter and a bunch of other stories. Uh, please watch that episode. We also have a new week... Or new-ish. Last Not week. new at all. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but it's uh, it's an evergreen story about furries. Yeah. So check check both of those out. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, click the join button. Click the join. A lot of people were like, oh yeah, join button exists. Boom. Saw that in the comments. Join up. Join the channel if you want to financially contribute contribute to it. And also, I rem- I was remember uh, or I was reminded at the live event that uh, people do actually listen to the audio only versions of our shows. So. If you're on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast, search for Internet Today or Weekly Weird News. They're two separate yeah. shows. Uh, and you can uh, subscribe to those and listen in the car. Hopefully on an electric vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now the videos are popped up over there. Watch our most recent videos and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.